We have enjoyed sharing from 1 Corinthians 13 this month. We come to that powerful statement in verse 8 for this final message in the series before we move to Resurrection Month and our series during March on the power of an endless life. Verse 8 simply says, love never fails. And to me, that's one of the most powerful and positive statements in all of the Bible. Love never fails. There's no way around it. Love never fails. You say, I don't love him anymore. That's not biblical. You say, I don't love her anymore. It's not biblical. Love never fails. If you did once, it never fails. Is that clear? Love never fails. Some of my favorite statements about love. Love is the soy sauce on the chop suey of life. That's very picturesque. I like that. Love cures people, both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it. You get it on both ends. A noted doctor has listed several emotions which produce disease in human beings. There's more and more being written about this these days. Heading the list of the doctor is fear, followed by frustration, rage, resentment, hatred, jealousy, envy, self-centeredness, and ambition. All of those according to this noted doctor, are emotions which produce disease in human beings. I call them negative emotions. The one and only emotion and the one and only antidote, according to the doctor, that can save us from these, he says, is love. That's pretty potent. Then why don't we love? and love more. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. That's worth remembering. And then I like this line, love arrives on tiptoe and bangs the door when it leaves. How true. Love never fails. We read those words often in marriage ceremonies because we use 1 Corinthians 13 many times in wedding services. Love never fails. And the question that often comes is, if it's true, then why are there so many failures? And I need to point out the difference between human affection and love. Human affection can fail. But we are talking about God's kind of love in 1 Corinthians 13. John 3.16, love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love never ends because God will never end. 
That's why this word is here in such a prominent form. Love never fails because God never fails. It is impossible for God to fail. He cannot fail. That's the one thing he cannot do is fail. So we're talking about God's kind of love, not human emotion or human affection. When everything else is gone, love will still be working. According to this inspired text, may I cite for you Romans 8.37 when we talk about God's kind of love. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Well, evaluate that. How has God loved us? And why would he say, walk in love as Christ loved us? He loves us when we're irregular in our walk. He loves us when we fall in our walk. He loves us when we don't respond in our walk the way we should. And so he says, walk in that kind of love. Because it never fails. When something is in need of repair at home, what do you do? If you're not a fix-it person, as I am not, you send for a repairman. One thing I am not is a repairman. There are many things I can repair spiritually with God's help, but when it comes to the failure of Mechanical things count me out. That's a gift God never gave to me. The other day, our washer wouldn't work. And that's a very frustrating thing. Not to me, but to my wife. She had to go to the laundromat twice. And I heard about that. And the reason she had to go was because when the repairman came, and thank God he was on a contract, which I had the wisdom to buy earlier, which takes care of all of repairs on those machines, he informed us that the control board, you know the thing up there at the top that you punch, that whole board had to be replaced. It had gone bad. And it took quite a while to get it here. And now my clothes are clean again after all these days. And that hamper is not running over the top as it was for a time. How important repairmen are for the function of a house. And isn't it interesting that how many times numbers of things go wrong at once? The old adage, it never rains but it pours, is often true. It seems like if it's not the, the washing machine, it's the dryer. If it isn't the dryer, it's the microwave oven. If it isn't the microwave oven, it's the dishwasher. I used to say, why do we get all these things? It's just one more thing to have go wrong. 
But repairmen are important, and we've learned to call the specialists when we need the specialists. Well, today in this final message on love, I want to suggest that we call Jesus, who is the specialist of specialists. If the entire control board is on the fritz, he can fix it. Now, if you don't know what that word fritz is, it's a word my mother used to use. I don't know where it came from, but we're English and Irish background, so it may have come from that part of the ocean. But when something's on the fritz, you need to know who to call to fix it. And I'm here to tell you that when the whole thing is shot, Jesus is the repairman you need. He can fix it. We used to sing the song, my wife and I, when we traveled in evangelistic work for a time. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Something wonderful, and it is because it never ends. And one of the greatest pieces of music ever written is the one that we sing in Sunday school from the very earliest age. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. So today we look at two areas of love and how we can count on love never failing. Number one, love never fails when we cease to promote self. Now, you can understand that I could talk about ten different things that would be important to make love continue to work, but I can only take time for two. But they are, to me, the two most important of all. Love never fails when we cease to promote self. Jesus is our example. He did not come to exalt himself. He came to be a servant to all. He did not come to do his own will. He said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. Philippians chapter 2 is a chronicle of this servant God by the name of Jesus Christ, who, even when he was reviled, did not turn and revile back who when he was persecuted as a common criminal did not react with anger or resentment or these other ways that the good doctor told us are negative emotions in our lives. But he acted in love. And even when he was hung on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an example to us, he was because he did not promote himself. We are all born with the instinctive wish to excel. The driving force of the self, which should be a considerable asset, often turns out to be our biggest detriment. Turned into a liability all too often because we want to be up in front of the line. Somebody pointed out that if automobiles in America were lined up bumper to bumper, 250,000 miles of automobiles, 93% of the drivers would immediately pull out to pass. <laughs> 
That's an interesting insight into human nature. Because we want to be in first place. We want to be at the front of the line. Jostling for position is what we call it. Finding fault in others in order to make ourselves look better. Life never says to the jealous, the envious, the critical, friend, come up higher. He always ends up in a lower seat at the table. But when we approach it from Jesus' view, love wins, it forgives, it does not promote self. And when we look at love in those eyes, we can say with verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Resentment will bring failure. Anger will bring failure. Fear to express yourself will be failure. But love never fails. The love that is self-effacing as the love Jesus showed. Have you ever noticed how wise nature is? Nature put a man's hands in front of him to make it extremely awkward to pat himself on the back. And yet we try to do it. I, I, I. And it's so uncomfortable. It isn't natural at all. It's even difficult to wash your own back. God, I think, put us together that way if for no other reason so we wouldn't walk around patting ourselves and saying, I, 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 I. Our ideas of greatness and Christ's ideas are strangely incompatible. What was the first mark of greatness to Jesus? It was the opposite of self-inflation. In the words of Scripture, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And somehow we forget it in all of the many activities of life. Have you ever heard the classic story of the frog? He came to Florida for the winter. At least he had that amount of sense. He had no means, however, in Florida for transportation. But he found there two friends in the Goose family well-equipped for air flight. And so he went to his two friends and made his need known, and his two friends secured a piece of stout string. And the two geese from the goose family put one end of the string in one mouth and the other end in the other mouth, and the frog with his strong jaws seized the string in the middle, and off those geese went with the frog dangling in the middle of the string, going anywhere he wanted to go with the help of his geese friend. Everything went well until one day, on a very pleasant flight, a spectator on the ground looked up, and moved with astonished admiration, said, Who in the world invented that idea? 
The poor frog, unable to restrain the impulse to take full credit for the performance, opened his mouth and said, Ah! And the result was frog legs. Someone has said, much more could be done for God in the world if people didn't care who got the credit. How true it is. The more we try to make an impression, the less impressive we are. Love never fails when we seek to not promote self, seek the best interests of others. One reason we are not seeing the manifestation of love like we should is because we're not following that very biblical premise. It was interesting reading the other day what criminologists say. Criminals, they say, are often little men trying to be big shots. That's their evaluation after years of study. They say that with the gun in his hand, he's a big man, he's a god. But without the gun, he's a frightened little crybaby. I think our observation would back that up. Trying to be somebody. Love is stooping down. A Christian leader asked a group of Chinese pastors, what it was in Christ that appealed most to them and won their hearts to him. None of them mentioned the miracles or even the Sermon on the Mount, which might have been expected. One of the elders, in a faltering, choking voice, told the story of the upper room, Christ washing his disciples' feet, Christ with a towel, Christ with a basin of water, Christ stooping down, a servant to the servants, that's what impressed them to receive Christ. The miracle of history is that Jesus was born so low, but elevated so high. The selfish man is the shrinking man. And if we are to see this great verse fulfilled in us, We must remember it is as we put self down, as we start trying to pat ourselves on the back and become as Jesus Christ, a servant to the servants, one who is not unwilling to bear the towel, to put it into the basin and wash somebody's feet. That is what makes the world go round, friends. And that is what will bring this passage into fulfillment, love never fails. If you start serving those who are in your home, instead of wanting them to serve you, it will change the atmosphere overnight. If you start serving those who are in your office, instead of wanting them to serve you, it will change the environment overnight. If only our world could hear these three words, love never fails. It would change the complexion of society overnight. But we are too busy trying to get our own way and getting up at the head of that line than we are to be like Jesus, reach out and touch. Which brings me to the second point and the last, really, of this message. 
Love never fails when it's reaching out. See, when you turn that self-desire around and begin to look at others and how you can be a blessing to them, it's inevitable. Love will keep on going when love reaches out. Augustine said, God loves each of us as though there were only one of us. What an insight. God so loved that he gave. Paul said he died for the chiefest of sinners, which was me, he said, which backs up Augustine's discovery that God loved each of us as though there were only one of us. And what a thrill it is when you see God in that light, God reaching out, God giving himself to us. How could you reject him when you see him in that light? It marvels me that people have a difficult time accepting Christ into their hearts because I see Christ as one reaching out to me. I see Christ as one dying for me. I see Christ as one suffering for me. I see Christ as one being raised from the dead for my eternal salvation. How could I ever spurn his love when I see him reaching, reaching, reaching to me? Love never fails because that's what love is about. Let me bring it down into modern-day terms and a modern-day setting. We have many nursing homes in Sacramento. If you've ever been into any one of those nursing homes, you know it's very, very difficult for people to grow old. I shall never forget the day we had to put my wife's mother in a home after she fell down the stairs and broke a bone in her back. After having been with us for almost 20 years, how she begged for us to take her home, but it was impossible. There was no way that we could care for her at home at that time. And she finally, after three months, just slipped off to be with the Lord. And you can't help but wonder, would she have lived longer if she could have been at our home? I suppose so. Because in a way, I think when they have to go there, they think they're not loved anymore. And when you don't feel that, even though you try to demonstrate it to them in every way possible, it seems like the very cord of life is severed. And so it is in many of these nursing homes there are people who never get a visit. There are people who never get a gift. There are people who never have anybody come to pray for them or serve them communion. They just lay there and die. Such was the case in one of the nursing homes. 
till one of the Christian ladies observed how this lady seemed to always be alone. She began to go to her and give her a hug when she would go to the nursing home. She would bring in little gifts for her, little things that she felt she could use, and every time she would come, she would express her love in some way. She would reach out to that lady who never had a visitor, never had any care outside that home. Until one day, after a strong friendship had been formed, she asked this little lady if she loved Jesus. And her remark was classic. She said, I love him a whole lot more since you've been coming to see me. Oh, love never fails when it's reaching out. It always works when it's reaching out. We use as our motto here, the church where love is, I ask you, are you exemplary? Are you one of those who would go into that nursing home where the odors are not always the best? where there is drool often going down the chin, where they have to be fed and they have to be bathed, and there are so many adverse sights and sounds. You have the love that God showed us in Christ that reaches out to the derelict, to the unlovely. Love never fails when it's reaching out, and I guarantee you that when you reach out, to give your love to somebody else, you're always stronger, as that little statement that I read earlier implies. You're not only blessing the person you reach, but there is something in that, like the Australian boomerang that comes back to you every time, even stronger than when it was sent out. You ever seen one of those boomerangs? You can throw it with all your might and it will swirl through the air and it has a way of turning and coming right back to where you are. So it is with love. You throw it out, but it always comes back and it touches you in a greater way than when you sent it out. I tell you, it would heal most of our ills. Last fall, my wife and I were in Brussels, Belgium for the International Correspondence Institute Congress, Otis Skilling, songwriter, friend of our own music pastor, Paul Farron, was there with his wife to provide music. And I remember him sitting down at the piano during one of our sessions, and he just began to sing a song that he composed. The words go like this, Reach out and touch the heart of someone. Someone who's lost his way, helping him find a new direction, showing him how to pray. Reach out your hand of love. That's the story of missions. That's the story of the church. God said through Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. 
Israel went through its many backslidings, yet he loved them. Peter went through his backsliding, yet the Lord loved him. Our backslidings are obvious, yet he loves us. He's constantly reaching out to us where we are. And when we accept his love, he says then to us, will you follow my example? Love never fails. Reach out and touch someone. You'll be healed in doing it. I like various kinds of reading, and some of my favorites are those going back to the early days of the West. The early days of the pioneering of this part of the world. And one of the stories I came across recently in my reading was of an Indian in Arizona who, back in those early days, killed a white man and ran into the woods to get away from those who wanted to catch him. When the government heard of the act of this Indian and the fact he could not be found, he or they told the tribe, you find him by such and such a date, or we are going to declare war on your tribe. And so they sent the Indian braves through the woods, and they came back after many hours saying, we cannot find him. They told the government officials, we cannot find him. They said, the date stands, you find him, or we declare war on your tribe. Those braves went again into the woods and spent days looking for him, came back and said, we cannot find him. The hour was approaching, the deadline was almost there when one of the young Indians of the village stepped forward and he said, if we don't have someone to offer up to the government, our women and our children are going to be killed. They're going to be slain. Our whole tribe will be wiped out. He said, shoot me and offer me to the government as the one who killed the white man. And as they pondered their situation, they drew their guns and shot that young Indian and laid his body before the government officials saying, here he is. And the war was not declared and their women and their children were spared and I read that and thought of the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. Greater love hath no man than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. Why have we been touched by Jesus? Why have we been reached by his grace? Is it not to offer ourselves to others as his hands, his feet, his lips, his voice, his mind, his very person to minister to them and to touch them as though he were here in the flesh to do it himself. I can only imagine what would happen in this fellowship if we would take 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to heart. Love never fails. And remember, the love that never fails is the love that does not promote self, the love that never fails is the love that's always reaching out to someone else. Alexander Graham Bell, a young man who taught in a deaf school, 
brilliant mind in that deaf school fell in love with one of the pupils and eventually married her. It was because of his love for her, his new bride, that drove him to try to find a way to develop her hearing. And out of his many, many hours of labor, out of the driving force of love, he created a hearing aid, which many of you are grateful for, even in this service today, although with my voice you don't need it too much. But how helpful it has been, even to the president just passed. But it was because of the hearing aid that another marvelous invention came about, and it's kind of like Paul Harvey's now the rest of the story. Not only did he develop the hearing aid, but in the process of his experimentation, Alexander Graham Bell's creative forces unlocked the secrets of the universe literally and created the telephone. Now, I hope you're happy about that. Sometimes, I guess, we may feel otherwise, but what a marvelous invention. I got a call from Europe on my phone in the office this week, and I had to say to this missionary, it sounds like you're right next door. Incredible. Those cables running through that ocean, lying down there at the bottom of the ocean, his voice traveling through those cables, and my voice traveling back. You hear just like that split-second hearing thousands of miles away with an ocean in between. Because of love! I could talk to that missionary because Alexander Graham Bell loved his wife so much he wanted her to hear better. And in order to reach her, to touch her, he worked and worked and developed that hearing aid, and eventually the telephone. I wonder how many inventions there are locked up in this audience. I wonder how much creative force is locked up in this body of people today. It just boggles my mind to think about. Creative forces that are held back by resentment, bitterness, anger, jealousy, wrath, negative emotions that only the repairman can fix Jesus by name, who said, love never fails. If you will leave the results to him, stop trying to promote self and start trying to reach somebody with God's love. Something happens inside of us that only God really understands. Love wins, love creates, love invents ways to make the other happy. Love makes us like the one who loved us enough to die for us. Even Jesus, we become like him. There are some four-letter words I think need to be revived in the Christian world. Give, pray, read, help, sing, grow, walk, dare, lift, hope, help, love. But the greatest of these is love. Because it never fails. I must close. The name J.W. Tucker may mean something to some of you. It happened in 1964. It happened in the Congo. J.W. Tucker, 49 years of age, one of our great Assemblies of God missionaries, 
Though there was trouble in the Congo, there was an uprising, took his family and went back, even against some of the advice given him. He had not been there very long when he was taken captive. And to make a long story short, he was eventually clubbed to death and thrown into the crocodile-infested Bamakandi River in the area called Naganga, which is now Zaire. And many people said, what a waste. But J.W. Tucker said, I cannot help myself, I must go. His wife and family came home. The other day, his grandson was researching the archives at our headquarters in Springfield, Missouri, to get better acquainted with his grandpa, this boy now 11 years old, wanting to know about his father and his, uh, his grandfather and his life. And in his search, he was asking, did my grandfather die in vain? Daryl Sturgeon, one of the missionaries now in that part of the world that this church supports, who will be with us later on in the year again, wrote back and said, let me tell you something that may help you. After the Congo Rebellion, one of J.W. Tucker's converts in Isiro, a police officer known as the Brigadier, moved to the Naganga area where he became chief of police. But he also witnessed to Mangbatu people. He had found the Savior through the missionary whose body had been thrown into their river and whose blood had flowed through their waters. Important, that word there, T-H-E-I-R. The Christian police chief had a very receptive audience owing to the fact that Mangabatu culture considers the land and the rivers theirs personally. Sturgeon wrote, this proved to be the key to their hearts. Individuals began to accept that message and to receive Christ as their Savior, and a great revival exploded among the Mangbatu. Daryl Sturgeon said just a few days ago, thousands have been saved, hundreds have been healed. There are 30 assemblies of God churches among the Mangbatu tribe. Nobody knows how many thousands have been converted. Was it in vain in 1964? No. Because love never fails. Love never stops. Love keeps on working even when a life is wiped out. Love never ends. Shall we pray? Father, taking this powerful passage, we are moved in our emotions because we first realize how much we have been loved by you and how little thanks we show for it. Forgive us. And then secondly, we realize, Father, how seeming little we give of your love back to others. 
even those close to us. And we wonder why life falls apart and we wonder why there is disintegration all around. May we be haunted by three words, love never fails. And may we determine to be the loving people we ought to be to emulate the one who loves us with a never-dying love. While we are in prayer, our heads are bowed. There is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it is the spirit of the Lord. How many of you have heard me today who have been a part of this service would say, by raising your hand, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I know he loves me enough that he was willing to die for me, but I've never given my life to him, and I want to do it today. Would you lift up your hand and let me pray for you? Just lift it up right now and hold it there till I see it. Then you may put it down again. I want to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. Right back here in the middle section, way toward the back. Back over there by the back wall. God bless you, sir. I see your hand there. Way up in the balcony on the top side, I see your hand there. How many more? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I know it's the thing I need to do. I put it off. He loves me. I want to love him back. And the way I can show that is by surrendering my sins for his salvation. Why don't you do it today? Why put it off another day? What a bargain you get when you turn your sins over to him and take his eternal salvation as your gift. How many more? Lift up your hand. Let me pray for you today. Let me see it right now. Yes, sir. God bless you. I see your hand right here in the middle. Others, raise them up, put them up high, then let me see them, and you may slip them down after I see it. Two hands back there toward the back. Another over on the left-hand side. God bless you over there. Others, can't tarry long. But I do want to ask one more time. If you need him, raise your hand. Let me pray with you today. God bless you right over here, ma'am. Thank you for your hand on my right. Thank you. Anyone else? Slip it up now. Let me see it. Now, how many of you would like to say, Pastor, in the second part of your prayer, I need to have a greater expression of love. There are needs in my life, maybe right around me, that I, I need God's love to minister through me to meet. And I really want a baptism of his love. Would you raise your hand unashamedly around this audience today? Lift it up high. I want a baptism of love. I want God's love to be manifest in me. God bless you. Hands are going up all over the auditorium. Stand now as we pray, please. Stand steady before God. Nobody leaving just yet, please. Let us talk to God now as we have had this display of hands. Now, Father... In the name of Jesus, who died for us and rose again for our justification, come into the lives of these who raised their hands, those who said, I need Christ in my life. Forgive them of their sin and do it now in Jesus' name. May they truly be repentive and turn away from their sin to embrace Jesus Christ and his eternal salvation. And then, Father, I pray for those who raise their hands, saying, give me a baptism of love. Lord, would you do it right now as I extend my hands toward this great congregation? Give us a baptism of love. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not puff itself up, not easily provoke. Love never fails. May we find it out, Lord. Take the bitterness out of us. God, I just feel impressed to pray. Take the hate out. Take the hurt out. Take the anger out. Take the jealousy out. Take the bitterness away. In Jesus' name, we resist these negative emotions. And we ask that love will flow down into every area where these things were to fill up the vacuum. Jesus' way, baptize us in your love, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While Pastor Rick leads us in a song, may I ask those of you who raised your hand to receive Christ to come down to the front. We have some material we want to give you and Take the hand of one of our staff members who will be standing here and say, I'm receiving Christ, and please give the tape that Pastor has made and the booklet to me. I want to just publicly declare my faith in Christ. Would you do that as we sing? Even up in the balcony, wherever you were, just come right down. Just for a moment, if we dismiss, we'll never get together, but this way we can have this intimate time together, and it will mean so much. Just come as we sing. From wherever you were when you raised your hand, slip right out, please.